This is my first time. First time. Welcome to Babylon 5 for the first time. My name is Jeff Aiken, and I'm watching Babylon 5 for the first time. And I'm John Prey Chuckle Nugget, and I'm also watching Babylon 5 for the first time. We are two veteran Star Trek podcasters watching Babylon 5 for the very first time, taking that over lens that we have acquired by overanalyzing all things Star Trek and applying it right here to Babylon 5 to see what messages are lurking within and should we have watched this show sooner? And while this is not a podcast about Star Trek, we are sure to pull in those references. So we are going to follow the game that we all love to play. You know it. We love it. It's called the Rule of Three. Each one of us, John Prey and myself, get three references, no more, to Star Trek. And anytime we make one of those references, you're going to hear this. And then no more. No moss. And I can tell you one thing's for sure. That can that can be a challenge for us. Now, Mr. Chuckle Nugget, I, uh, I love sharing the emails and the things we get. Last week on here, you were born. Mr. Chuckle yes. Nugget was created in I this was. moment. Absolutely. There's a part two to this. No, story. is there? There is. Is there? So, um, <laughs> what um, happened? What do you say? So uh, he and I went back and forth a couple, a couple more times, um, over the last week. And uh-huh. he, he kind of, he kind of messed up a little bit and totally owned it. Uh, oh, okay, cool. What happened? Turns out uh, he was mad at the wrong podcast. No. Yeah. Wasn't talking <laughs> about you at all. Not me at all. No. <laughs> so he's talking about somebody. There's, there's another chuckle nugget out there somewhere. Yeah. I don't care. Jeff, I'm keeping it. I, he could have been talking about somebody else. I don't care, but I'm keeping chuckle nugget. I, from here, from here, henceforth, I'm John Prade chuckle nugget. Thou shalt be from now to forever. I'm keeping it. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, so Whoa, he's talking about a different show altogether. I told him, I said, hey, man, like, I'm sorry if this is the thing that's going to make you stop listening. But, you know, whatever. Also, you can skip ahead a couple episodes because Brent gets it. Like, he gets it. Starts saying Ivanova. We're all good. And he's like, what are you talking about? You only have three episodes. Like, no, we got we got quite a few out there. He screenshotted it. I'm like, yeah, wrong podcast, dude. but to his credit he was just like oh my gosh i'm an idiot i am so like he really fell over himself and sent a really like a really thoughtful mea culpa uh email so well you know what okay so here's the thing and i've been this has been on my mind for the last week because it's been kind of bugging me yeah i can't imagine why no 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 no. it's not what he said but it's because jeff you and i have usually in text messages to each other and we talked about it a little bit on the show last week other fandoms out there are super toxic, especially on social media. Yeah. That has not been what we've experienced jumping into the Babylon 5 fandom. So to have this email come in that was like so bent out of shape just felt weird. It felt off. You know, listen, you guys have been listening to the show long enough now. We've done enough episodes. I'm a big believer in redemption. I don't hold stuff against people too much. And I'm willing to extend all of that grace and all of that redemption to this guy even just because he said he's sorry and he owned it. Like that's huge. So I forget his name. I don't even remember. And I don't really care right now. Uh, not that I don't care about you. I just, you know, anyway, I'm still keeping chuckle nugget though. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think you should, but yeah, E Mark M 
uh, gave a Naroon level apology. Dude, that's a good level apology. Really man. good level apology. Naroon had a great apology. I'm uh, yeah, and hey, maybe we've got a cool relationship out of this in the end. It's uh, it'll be a, it'll be a fun story if nothing else. Well, from our website. Babylon5first.com, which is actually where he hit us up, which is fascinating to me that he went to our website to complain about a different anyway. – Good good call. Right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there's, there's a couple couple moments for him there. He could have – well, we are where we mm-hmm. are now, and that's great. But Babylon5first.com, the number five, the word first, Rick Wiley reached out to us. What's up, Rick? I love – this is such a great email. He says, I discovered you while looking for a rewatch podcast to go along with my fourth time through the show, including when it originally aired. The most recent episode happened to be where I was in my rewatch. I've now gone back through your back catalog, and this is the podcast for me. (laughs) He says that we notice important things. We ask the right questions. Our speculations are sometimes hilariously wrong and sometimes on the right track. Two or three have been so dead on that it's scary. P.S. Londo and Jakar rule. Yes, they do. You know what? His email right there. Hey, Jeff, we've said it so many times. That's exactly what we want to have come out of this this mm-hmm. thing. That's exactly why we want to stay spoiler free because we truly don't know what we don't know, and and we want to keep it that way. Just discover it as we go and make all the guesses that are wrong and right, and let you guys laugh and spit chocolate milk through your nose. And let your jaw drop on the floor when we nail it. Absolutely. Like I did today. You did. I literally, yeah. I almost had to text you and just be like, you, like, did you watch this before? Like, we'll get to that. One more comment I want to share. And this is one, we talked about it last week. We, this isn't a negative one by any means, but it just gives a different perspective on um, a thing we've been talking about a lot lately. And that is bad acting. Oh, so on YouTube, our Lemorea one makes a fantastic point on the quality of the acting. They say, although there are certainly good and bad actors, I think often the blame for a good or bad performance falls at least equally on the director. It's there. It's them making the choices and it's the director that decides, Hey, this take is good to go. It's a great point. Fair enough. Although sometimes I think the studio's like, look, I don't care. Just put it in the thing and let's go. Right. They're like, you have $18 for this scene. Uh, just go. Just do it. Yeah. Director's kind of doing whatever, whatever they can do. Uh, no, but that's a good point. I mean, it, regardless, $18 or whether a studio's breathing down your neck, it is your job as a director to get the right performance out of your actors mm-hmm. with the script that they're giving. Exactly. I've done a little bit of TV, mostly in the sports and sports entertainment side of things, but I've worked with a lot of directors and there've been a lot of times mm-hmm. where we'll do multiple takes. And I'm like, no, nah, dude, like this is the one right here. And he's like, nope. We're going, I need you to do it this way. No, that's, that's terrible. We're not, this is what, and sometimes they're right. That's what's needed for the total product of a thing. Sometimes they're not right. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a really great point and well taken. Brent, you mentioned it. You nailed. So we have another game we play. We'll get to at the end of the episode where we yeah. guess what the following episode's going to be based on the title alone. Mm-hmm. You win. Yeah. <laughs> this one was a little bit of a cheat though. Let's, let's be fair because this was just part two. Like the title of the episode was part two. Uh, the parts that I got wrong, I said that it was a Vorlon yeah. ship that came through the through the rift. Oh boy. Well, no, I'm going to save that because we're going to talk about it when it happened, when we get to that part. But um, I got that wrong. But what I said was Drawl is going to be the replacement for dude down on the planet. He's going to be like the new battery. They called him the heart in the episode. 
but he's going to be the new battery. And that's, what's going to fix the whole thing because the, the planet's about to like go ape crap all over everybody. And that is 100% what the episode was about for 45 minutes. You guys have seen my reaction video. If you haven't go check that out. Yeah. The reaction video that, that we posted uh, where I did watch this for the very first time earlier this week. And yeah, I, I mean, I was eating it up the whole way because I was like, I know it. I know, I know the episode. I got it. I got it. I got it. And that's exactly what happened. Jeff, what did you say? All I guessed was that it was going to be the Vorlon that came through and they were going to be like, we got this. We're taking mm-hmm. Epsilon three, dude. We're taking the tech. I thought it was gonna be a very Vorlon focused episode. Couldn't be more off. Yeah. I spent my whole, I spent my whole episode watching this just being like, God, you Brad, wow, wow. Well, Jeff, speaking of being all the way off, is your penance for being so far off? For those who didn't watch this episode or haven't watched in a while or who haven't ever watched it ever, but they're listening to us anyway, because I'm sure there's like at least one person doing that. Jeff, it's your turn to tell us what this episode was actually about. And if your answer is anything other than just, Go listen to what Brent said last week. Then it's just too much. Yeah, I was just going to play that clip. Just play your clip of saying that. There you go. There's a whole recap. I'm sure you can do it better. Go ahead. Yeah, there's a little more to this one. And this one starts off in a very exciting way. So exciting. I even have a sound drop for it. Previously on Babylon 5. The episode kicks off with the Vorla. Nope. With the Earth Alliance heavy cruiser Hyperion coming through the jump gate. More on that later. Garibaldi is really struggling a lot. Things going on on Mars, not being able to touch base with his former girlfriend, Elise. He's in the bar and following in the footsteps of his good buddy, Ivanova, he gets into a big old bar fight. But this time, no complaints are filed, no harm, no foul, kind of. But it gives Sinclair a chance to to help his friend out a little bit. He calls in some favors to get a connection to Mars opened up for Garibaldi so he can check on Elise. Word of the Epsilon 3 guy is slowly starting to spread despite Sinclair's best efforts to keep it quiet. Drawl has a vision of him, and this guy calls Drawl out by name specifically. This is the moment, by the way, Brent, that I was just like, oh my God, he totally, this is what the whole thing's going to be about. Londo, poor Londo, he's feeling like he's getting cut out of the action, and he appeals to Delan and Drawl. They find it very fascinating that Mr. House, the Epsilon 3 guy, has uh, appeared to just Sinclair, Londo, and Drawl. There's got to be something going on here. But they come together and start scheming on their next steps. That leads Delenn and Drawl to bust into Medbay despite Dr. Franklin trying to stop them. And Varn speaks. That's Epsilon 3 guy's name. He says the planet's going to explode if anybody lands on it. That will destroy Babylon 5. And they need to find another. And that leaves us with the Hyperion. And not the human arc on its way to the Andromeda galaxy in Mass Effect. No, this is a heavy cruiser commanded by Admiral Tucker of the Union. Nope, nope, sorry. Wrong show. Uh, Judge Abruzzo from House of... Nope, no, that's House of Cards. Ugh. Really easy to confuse who this guy is. I, f- I feel like I've seen him. I don't know. One, two, or three hundred times before. But now, it's Captain Pierce. And he's been sent from the Office of Planetary Security to take over Epsilon-3 operations. Pierce is all business. He gets right to it, sends ships to the surface that fast-forward the potential destruction of the planet. Varn shares that it's built to blow up before it gives away any of its secrets. Looks like they probably have about 48 hours until boom, 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 
Garibaldi figures it's going to take him three to five days to evacuate and things are not looking good. And then they start to look even worse. A big old ship just covered in guns comes through the jump gate. It's Varn's people, but not quite. Varn is actually the last of his kind. And this ship are the outcasts, the not so good people from his society that they kicked out some 500 years ago. And they've spent all this time trying to find this planet. And now that they have the issue, an ultimatum to the Hyperion and Babylon five surrender or get blown out of existence in the confusion. A shuttle leaves the station and heads to the surface. Londo is channeling his younger self and flying like a madman. He, Delenn, and Drawl have abducted Varn and are going back to where they got him. The outcasts attack and a gunfight ensues and it is intense and it is direct from a cutscene in the 1994 classic Star Wars TIE Fighter game. With a sense of purpose and real excitement in the heart of the planet, Drawl agrees to replace Varn in the machine. Delenn is heartbroken but sticks to the third principle of sentient life, the capacity for self-sacrifice for something or someone that matters, and she wishes him farewell. Superdrawl sends his holographic image out to the Hyperion, the Outcasts, and Babylon 5, saying the planet is off-limits until the right time comes along. He entrusts the safekeeping of Epsilon 3 to the Advisory Council on Babylon 5. Outcasts are very upset, head towards the planet, and so Drawl blasts a mega laser thing at him that blows their ship out of the sky. Respectfully, Captain Pierce apologizes for overstepping and heads on out to get repaired. And Garibaldi? Well, Garibaldi did finally get patched through to Mars. Lise is alive and well, and married and pregnant. He's devastated, but he's happy for her. And he asked the question that we all had when she shared this news. What kind of name is Franz? Brett, what were your uh, first thoughts on this one? Well, first of all, Jeff, I just have to know from you, what what is it easier to do? A recap about an episode where almost nothing actually happened or an episode, a recap of an episode where almost everything happened? Stand by. We'll be right back. Are you ready to take your Babylon 5 for the first time experience to the next level? With our exclusive Patreon, you'll get access to all kinds of cool stuff that you can only find there. Our recording notes, unedited reaction videos, an exclusive Discord community, and you can even be listed as a producer of the show. Plus, we even offer exclusive meet and greets and hangouts. You won't find this kind of experience anywhere else. Get all these amazing benefits, plus the opportunity to interact with other fans from around the world. It's being part of a huge community where everyone shares the same appreciation for Babylon 5. Subscribe at patreon.com slash Babylon 5 first. That's the number five in the word first to get access to these incredible benefits. That's patreon.com slash Babylon 5 first. We can't wait to see you there. You know, it's hard. I think they're both hard because like you don't want to, you don't want to do like, Hey, um, someone came on the ship and then on the station, and then they left and nothing happened. And then you also don't want to be like, Hey, two hours into this, I've described a 43 minute long episode. So, uh, you said that Londo was feeling like he was getting cut out of the action, mm-hmm. but do you know who actually got cut out of the action in this episode? And don't say Jakar cause he wasn't even in the first one. Talia winters. Yeah. Where was she disappeared from the story altogether, completely gone. And that kind of bothered me. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah. 
Uh, overall, this episode, I liked it. I had fun with it. This, this was, I would watch this episode again. I don't want to say again and again and again, but like I would watch this episode. You know what episode I wouldn't watch is part one. Yeah. Like even in a rewatch, I would just skip it because you know all that you need from part one is what happened in last time on Babylon 5. Totally. That's all. Like we, we could even doing this run, we could have skipped episode one. And just gotten that from the recap and then been just fine and moved on with it. But I had fun. I said, I said at the end, I said something that Matt often says uh, when he finds a show that he really likes on uh, beam me up. Mm -hmm. This is good TV. Yeah. Yeah. This was good TV. I enjoyed it. Is there a lot to dive into and to plumb the depths of? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Well, we tend to figure that out as we go through the episode and what the way we talk, but I just, it was a good, everything happened exactly the way I thought it was going to happen. You know, except for the Vorlon thing. Yeah, there were no surprises in this one. Yeah. I was going to say, I did have a surprise that it was the Hyperion. Mm -hmm. I guess I'll end my opening thoughts with this. That was such an anticlimactic way to begin the show that it, it, it felt cheating. And I know I, we referenced a little bit best of both worlds last week. I'm going to reference it again at the end of best of both worlds. Riker says commander Worf fire, or maybe he says Lieutenant. I think he's probably still Lieutenant at that point. Whatever. So Lieutenant Worf, fire, and then dun, 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 and like we're out for three months, right? Mm-hmm. And then when they come back to the episode, it's Mr. Worf, fire, and then he pushes the button and just nothing happens. Like that's how they got out of it. It's just, oh my gosh. And then, yeah, nothing happened. Oh, it didn't work. Look at that. That's how they got out of it? What? Like the the answer to that moment did not live up to the hype and the anticipation, and neither did the Hyperion live up to the hype of Garibaldi's draw dropping on the floor when he saw who came through the jump gate. The big ship. Honestly, it didn't look that big. It didn't look that big at all. You know what looked way bigger was the Barnes outcast people. Yeah, that that ship looked awesome. That, that thing was terrifying. Awesome. Yeah. Right? Uh so I you know, I was just like, man, this is if I mean, in that way, it felt very Star Trek, but that actually just, I think, feels 90s sci-fi to me. Uh, but then, you know, Pierce comes in and we meet him and all of a sudden, like, he's trying to take over and, like, I'm having major, here's number two, Jeff, I'm having major Captain Jellico vibes. Okay. Like, this episode's feeling all about, here's the guy coming in, he's got orders, he's a legit guy, but he's going to come in and take over and mess up everything and do it exactly the wrong way from what we're going to need. But in the end, we're probably going to figure out that he actually was a good guy. And, you know, we're going to get some great memes out of him that are just really bad dad jokes, <laughs> which that's a fantastic Twitter account to follow, by the way, Jeff, what did you think of this episode? A voice crying in the, no, a voice in the wilderness part two. I liked the episode, but uh, like my note here is like, why was this a two-parter? Like exactly what you said. The only thing they didn't have in the recap was Garibaldi and Lisa's relate the the context on that. But that is a three minute scene that could have gone anywhere. It could have replaced his little Shazam magic trick, you know, blasting the guy's face into the bar multiple times. They could have hit it right there. This mm-hmm. this was a single episode that they stretched over to. I um one of the things I really liked on it about it was that it leaned on prior character development, right? The stuff with Ivanova in this one really worked because we know who Ivanova is. Uh, Garibaldi, all the way through to that last scene with him and Delenn looking out there, works because we know about Delenn, or not Delenn, but Garibaldi and Sinclair's relationship. 
So this was a payoff of a lot of um, a lot of relationships that had built through here. But on the Hyperion being a letdown, we've had Psychor come out and go after Sinclair. We've had the Knights come out and go after Sinclair. We just had Ben Zane come out and go after Sinclair. So to have an Earth Alliance ship come out and go after Sinclair, uh, yeah, okay. Um, this has happened six times or whatever already. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not impressed. I'm not anything. And Ron Canada, who played Captain Pierce, who is amazing in everything yes. that he, amazing. Oh, they got a great actor for yeah. this one. And it, I was, I was just disappointed. I'm just like, oh no, he's going to have to be that arch earth bad guy. Who's just, these are my orders and this is who I am. And, and he was that up until the very end when he, you know, he, Hey, hey, sorry. Like, uh, you know, just follow my orders, dude. Hope we're hope we're cool. And then took off. But yeah, no, it was it was a fun episode. I just couldn't get over the fact that this I was looking forward to a two-parter, you know? Like this yeah. is going to be huge. This is going to be massive and no. I have a full answer for you. Okay. Uh, this is a real-world full answer of exactly why this was the way it was and what happened. This episode, part one aired July 20th, 1994. Okay. There was a one week break in between part two aired August 23rd, 1994. This was not a mid season break or anything like that in 1994, where today it normally takes place around February or March back then 1994 was sweeps week. There you go. And it and it went up to the end of July. It was, it was the week of July 27th was the week that ended Sweeps Week. And that's why they came up with the two-parter with the big cliffhanger yep. to pull that in. That's that's why they would have done it this way. They needed they needed something for Sweeps Week and they they pushed it in. That's the only explanation I can come up with because there was zero reason to make this two two parts. Just didn't need it. I, I can't see it. And there was some stuff that happened in this that, you know, that happened, but this didn't, I mean, this is going to sound stupid. This doesn't change the game in Babylon five. I don't think it does. It adds, mm -hmm. it adds a piece to the board, right? You know, so we've got super draw on the planet with yeah. unbelievable technology, but I, I almost look at that as another iron heart. That's just out there mm -hmm. somewhere. Now there's super draw here Great. We've got super He's just beans. right down there. Yeah. It just happens to be there. Yeah. Which I feel like I said in my reaction video, I was like, that's going to come back, but not to like season four or five. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is, yep. Hey, this thing happened and we're going to look over here. Look over here now. Well, this yeah, other, yeah. yeah. Just remember that it's there and we'll talk to you later. Yeah. Like that's about it. So it was sweeps week, man. That was it. So, which honestly, it makes me feel better because it's not just bad writing at that point and be, them being stupid. Like, they're playing the TV game mm -hmm. at that, you know, with that. So I get it. So this, this aired on August 23rd of 94. No, August, August 3rd. Of okay. 1994. Okay. Yeah. Part two did okay. part one aired July 20th. Okay. So it's like a, this week off and then back in. Yep. All right. Yep. I, I want to talk a little bit about um, Garibaldi stuff on this. Yeah, let's like, do it. He was a constant through this episode. Like he was in the, you know, like the command conversations that were going mm -hmm. on. Um, he had the little bar fight in there and then for some, for some reason chased after Londo, Delenn and Drawl. that caught me as weird. Well, I, so the way I read it was 
he was freaking out about everything. He thought his girl was gone or something was going on and he just needed to do something. Okay. He was yeah. going crazy and he just needed to do something. And that's the way I read it. And, and he, uh, did he make a mistake? I, I, he was kind of a non-factor. Yeah. Like, like he didn't help anything happen, but he didn't stop it either. Like he was just there. Yeah. I watched it the second time and I was like, why? Like literally they could have just had a scene where they connected comms with the land or somebody and they go, Oh, we're hooking draw up to the machine. Oh, okay. All covered. Like he did nothing, but that makes a lot more sense that he, he had to control. He had to have control over something. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it made it more dramatic and all that. Yeah. And that, by the way, that ex you talk about the tie fighter, you know, sequence, the, the, the CGI in this episode specifically combined with the last one. I mean, the, the way they're going up and down and, and flying through space like i mean this is a sweeps week episode totally, you know like totally. they're, they're pulling out the money to do that but yeah garibaldi that's like i said he needed something to do that wasn't beating up people in a bar as the chief of security which by the way this just goes back to my thing people can get into fights on babylon 5 for no reason it's cool and not even get in fights just beat down other people and unless they're natoth using a knife no big deal. Yeah, who cares? I, I had a real problem with this scene. Of course, there's a thing I adored about that scene. And then a, a real problem. The problem I had was that Garibaldi was hilarious, right? You know, I was going to show you a magic trick. Hey, I'm going to need complete silence while I do this. That's not someone who's lashing out and angry. That's a sociopath who's like, I'm yeah. going to hurt this guy. I, I think it, I think that damaged Garibaldi a lot in my, not in a lasting way or anything, but in that moment, I'm just like, Oh dude, no, no, mm -hmm. that was bad. What I loved about this scene was how real it is today. So mm -hmm. drunk dude is sitting there and this guy doesn't give the appearance of being, uh, we'll say like an edge, a well-educated person, you know, or a person in a, in a high level of, of whatever. And he's just dropping all these lines and whatever that are clearly straight from the news or right. to put it in more modern terms, straight from Twitter or straight from your Facebook group. Like this was, this was the person who's unhappy with life. Kind of what draw was talking about in the last episode, you know, just mm -hmm. lost and drifting and has an anger under the surface who hears somebody with a media presence telling him, your tax dollars are being wasted to do this. We should just nuke these people and do that. They're taking your jobs. You're the, that's our political and opinion world right now today where people who don't mm -hmm. really know what's going on, just grab a bunch of talking points from their echo chamber. Like that was very real. Mm -hmm. I didn't like it cause it was cool. I felt it too. Like I was like, Ooh, this sounds like, stuff that you know i've i've heard around tables myself and i mean what what do you do like you know do you call it out at what point does it become bad enough that you call it out or because for me honestly like that's where i start getting into stuff with people and i'm not trying to go the route of garibaldi on this one yeah you know what i mean like and i'm not here to change their mind it's not going to happen they're going to think what they think and whatever but i have the answer to that though by the way what yeah. you do i literally this is literally what i did with our buddy who gave you who christened you a chuckle nugget yeah was i didn't i didn't go tit for tat for him and argue his point i was just like hey you know uh i'm sorry that you see things that way uh and if this is the thing that you don't like about our show i'm sorry to see you go boom 
let that go. Then he comes yeah. back with something else. Well, you know, you can look at it that way or you can look at it another way. It's your choice. I'm happy to do that. I'm also not going to have this conversation anymore. Like, yeah. just don't get into it with him. You're not going to win. You're just going to yeah. escalate it. Remain professional. And then when you can't or respectful, and once you can't be that anymore, walk away. See yourself out. Just yeah. walk away. And I mean, in this, but in like, in this case, Garibaldi wasn't even part of that conversation. Exactly. He was just a guy over there listening. So yeah. anyway, I actually want to get your thoughts on something regarding this. Okay. The scene where Sinclair visits Garibaldi in his quarters, the leadership that Sinclair shows to come in and he says, yo, I can't have you acting like that. Mm -hmm. He calls him up to be better. He calls the best out of him. I want your thoughts. Oh, leadership guru. What did you think of how Sinclair handled this whole situation with Garibaldi, which frankly, he should have had charges thrown up on him and, mm -hmm. and been arrested. But we've said that for several people. So yeah, this, this is much less than, than we'll say a Dr. Franklin who made some choices. Sinclair was perfect in this, but part of the reason he was able to be perfect. Like the way he was is because Garibaldi was perfect, not in the bar fight, but when he sits down, he's like, so uh, heard about the incident. He's like, Oh, you mean the magic trick? Yeah. Like he immediately owned it, acknowledged it and yeah. said, I messed up. And so had he not done that, then that backs Sinclair into the place of then having to ask questions to try and get Garibaldi to say it. And if he won't, then it just turns into this, you did this thing and that's bad. And that, that almost never works. But instead right. what Sinclair did, exactly what you said. Great Garibaldi, you've acknowledged it. Hey, um, we're good this time, right? They didn't file charges or whatever. Knock it off. That is what I'll call perfect first level, like dealing with a thing at the first time. This happens once and, and it's a one-off, right? You know, he's in a rut. Sinclair's able to acknowledge the emotional state that Sinclair's, mm -hmm. that Garibaldi's in. Yeah, no, this was really an excellent move for him to basically say, gotcha, don't do it again. And if you do, mm, not going to be cool. But also, how can I support you through this problem? Like he dove into the root cause, which was the the question of how's, how's lease doing. Right. So it wasn't about I'm punishing you for doing this bad thing. It's don't do it again. How can we get to the root cause here and help you get in a better place again? It's masterful. Also, is he eating out of a toolbox? <laughs> I don't know if he cut, he's like, Hey, I just made some dinner. You want something? I'm like, that's a, no, it was a pizza box. Wasn't was it? it? It looked like a toolbox to me. No, he was eating. It was a pizza box. I like, cause I made that note. I was like, wow, they're eating pizza in the future. They can't get a steak on Babylon five, but he sure can get some sausage for his pizza. Did you have anything else about Garibaldi? Cause I want to talk about Pierce for a few moments. Yeah. Just, I just one question I had is when he reached out to lease and they connected. Oh yeah. When did you know things were going South? Um, as soon as, as soon as he started talking and she tried to interrupt him, he was like, no, please let me finish. As soon as that happened, I went, uh-uh, that's never good ever. Because honestly, if somebody, if you're trying to spill your heart to somebody and they try to interrupt you, let them interrupt you. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen enough TV. Let them interrupt you. I thought it was cool how, I mean, I wish they would have done a little more for him, but they, they, I think they did it right. But Ivanova reaches out to Sinclair. Hey, we got that channel set up. I need to let you know something though first. And then I think when they set up for him, he's like, Hey, so she's on there. I'm available. If you need to talk after this, like it was just really cool to see that. Like I've said it a couple of times, but that, that trio, I'm mm -hmm. really loving them as friends. It's, it's the nineties yeah. version, right? Of Kirk, Spock and McCoy. Yeah. And I, I think it works really well. Yeah. I wonder if, okay. So here's that over analytical lens that we apply to it. The Kirk Spock McCoy relationship. 
was very much set up to be like the triumvirate man. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Like you have the ego, the id, the super ego, right? Like you have the, the, the conscience, you have the moral, and then you have the, the logical side, right? Yeah. Harry Potter, Ron, Hermione and, and Harry are written as that same triumvirate man, like together as a unit. That's actually how they're written. Like that's the way, she, that's the way she made those characters. Mm-hmm. I wonder if JMS did that. Like, I'm not going to analyze it right here in this moment, but I'm going to think about this. Yeah. Maybe we'll do this when we get to our season one recap and go, is this what's happening? It's a good idea. Are Sinclair and Ivanova and Garibaldi linked in that way? Like the way that their characters are written, the way that what they say and what they do, uh, is that how it is? Or is this just an amazing trio of characters that work so good together? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I hadn't thought of that. Let's talk Pierce. Yeah. So I really like Pierce. Yeah, me too. Um, the conundrum that he was in, I really didn't like his apology at the end. Really? I'm sorry if I overstepped my authority. The thing was he came in with all the authority he thought he needed. Mm -hmm. He came in with the Senate's full authority and he was doing his job and what he needed to do based on the information that he had. Right. Yeah. Now he was coming in guns blazing. He wasn't going to help. And that's the way they set that up. He didn't overstep his authority though. Now, he didn't do the good captain job of figuring out what the heck's going on before you start, you know, trying to throw it down and just slap your thing on the table. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't do that good work, but I don't think he overstepped his authority. And the only reason that that things ended the way they did was because Sinclair appealed to to the president. He went all the way to the top. Yeah. Yeah. And the president came back and was like, uh, no, 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 you need to listen to him. Oh, well, and I mean, the president just overrode everybody, mm-hmm. which is not going to be awesome politically, but, you know, whatever. But still, like, I very much was on Pierce's side through a lot of, like, with what he was doing. He was, know? he was, he was doing his job. Totally. Yeah. But, you know, I think, and I'm, I'm not going to buzz myself this. I'm going to ride your previous reference to Jellico on it. But, yeah. like, there is a way that Jellico could have come in and there's a way Pierce could have come in that would still let them have all their bluster and all their everything, but yeah. behind closed doors, right? So he comes in, lays down, we're here to take, take control of everything. I want a meeting with Sinclair right away. They met in person, right? There was the yeah. whole scene with them in person. Yeah. And that needed to be, okay, man, here's how things are going to happen, right? Like I'm here to do this and this. I can do this with your help or I can do it without your help, but I'm doing it. Could have that conversation. Jellico and Picard could have done the exact same thing. Well, I honestly, Jellico and Riker, like yeah. he needed to get Riker on his side. Riker was the, the, to use a John Maxwell phrase, he was the tribal leader. Yep. He needed Riker on his side, and he never once explained himself to Riker. I don't have time. No, you don't have time not to. Exactly. You have the time to do you it. could have saved by actually having that conversation. And same thing here. Like what they could have saved, uh, you know, because when it came down to it and they needed to join forces, they were great. It was awesome. It was immediate, you know, and Sinclair was so good in this whole time. He's like, okay, I don't see any other situ- other any other choice than to work with you. It's the right call here. So yeah, we're going to work together because ultimately you're still on the same side. Yeah. You're still wearing the same uniform. But on the other side of that was when he's like, I don't see any reason to not stand up to you. I'm going to launch my fighters against you because either I die fighting you or I die not fighting you. So at least I'm going to try to do the right thing here that all could have been avoided if he just went in and was like, this is what's happening. Right. But yeah. So I like, I hope we see him again in the future. I agree. I hope he comes back. What I was hoping that was going to happen with him, well, one, I I don't know. He just, 
he, Ben Zane, so many of the others that have come, Cutter that came through, Kemmer, they're just, they're all the job, you know? And that's, yeah. and, and not, not there, there's a way to be all the job that's positive. And there's a way to do it they, where they do where it's like, it's consuming their soul. You know, I'm, I'm going to do this whether you want me to or not. Right, right. It, I don't know. That's just like an archetype that I feel like everybody they from Earth Force that they prop up against Sinclair has that that trait. And frankly, I'm getting pretty tired of it. It's just let's get a little more creative. But what I was hoping was going to happen would have been a great callback is if Pierce came in, he's like, we need to do this, this and this. And Sinclair's like, yeah, we don't have that or whatever. And then he's like, well, you were given $1.3 million for your or credits for your military budget. You were supposed to do these things. I expected these, these assets to be on site. Oh, well, actually I uh, reapportioned that money to the dock workers. Like I, this would have been a perfect place for a consequence from that decision. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It would have been cool. They couldn't fit it in. It was a sweeps week after all. There's a lot. Go- There's so much going on in this episode. Right. Right. <laughs> and the one before. Um, okay. So a fun, f- two fun little things that I noticed that bear no consequence on the episode whatsoever. Uh, what I, I've actually noticed this one for a few episodes now. I just haven't brought it up and I really like it. It makes me smile every time I see it in Sinclair's quarters. He has a sign on the wall that says Sinclair aircraft. Yep. Yeah. So cool. Like it's an old beat up sign from somewhere that just, you know, yeah, it's his, it's his, it's got his name on it. He's got pilots in his history. I bet it's from like an old airplane, like a fighter jet or something. I would. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like his great grandfather mm-hmm. flew or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now I want the story behind that sign. On the story yeah. behind that sign. Similarly, though, in Garibaldi's quarters, he has a picture, and I couldn't. T- it was one of two things. It was either a picture of Mars, okay, being from Mars. That's his thing. Or, and actually, I think this is, might be more likely what it was. It's a picture of Jupiter from the surface of Mars. Okay, like that's actually what I think because it, it really looked more like Jupiter than it did Mars. But it had the kind of rocky, like the way they're taking the picture through it. Uh, but I like given the fact that they've really played into Garibaldi being from Mars, having that connect to Mars, like still seeing that up there on his wall, like that, like props to the set people, to the set designers and stuff, you know, like, like it's a little detail like that, that just, it, it, you know, it made me smile anyway. I I very much appreciated it. Okay. Can we talk about Drawl and Delin and Barn? So, I mean, I don't really have a ton to say about this other than I was right. So I'll let you go and discuss draw becomes the battery. Most of my thought, I'm going to reserve most of my thoughts on this for the closing thoughts. Okay. Yeah. Because there was some, there's some juicy, juicy cuts of steak in the conversations they had. So, okay. I'll hold on to that. I, um, what I thought was cool. I don't know if cool is the right word. Interesting. Maybe, um, was just how immediately everyone was willing to help. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he didn't have to strong arm Delenn when Londo became part of the equation. They had that really cool little conversation, you know, in the observatory area or whatever there, mm-hmm. where we learned that Londo, you know, led the attack on Fralis 12 and did all these great things. Like that was cool, but there wasn't a lot of like, like they were all just like, yeah, this thing has to happen and we're going to go do it. Like, I just thought that was really cool and, and spoke, it put Londo in a much higher esteem than I had him in before. It really did. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't just the guy fighting Jakar in this episode. Exactly. He wasn't just foil or I don't want to say comic relief. Cause that's not what I mean, but like he, what he 
actually has substance to him as a person. He brought stuff you know? to the table. He had a history that like pre- prepared him for this moment. Yeah. And everything. Yeah, it was great. I the one issue I had with it was when, you know, so they they kind of come to the decision, we're going we're going to go steal this, we're going to kidnap this dude and head down to the planet. They don't say it, right? That's all a lot of uh entendre. But right. Londo's like, "Okay, well, let's go." And Delenn says, "You you you know what you're agreeing to." here, right? Like you understand. And he gives this really great little soliloquy about how I've known that I would die on my feet doing something noble and futile and whatever. But I thought he was going to die with his hands wrapped around Jakar's throat. I had that same thought. Yeah. Like I had that same thought. What happened to that? <laughs> yeah. I really, I, I enjoyed that whole sequence. I liked how it all went down. I loved that Londo was, I, I liked the scene when he was flying the shuttle down and Ivana was like, whoever's flying that shuttle is a madman. Londo's like, who says the good old days are behind us? Right. Landing thrusters. Where are the, la- if I was a landing thruster, where would I be? Uh, and then he, like, he looks at it, he does this thing and then he pushes it and he just gets the biggest smile on his face. Like, yeah, no, I thought that was really cool. But yeah, for the most part, I, I didn't get a lot out, out of there outside of the stuff. I'll wrap up here at the end. Well, but but what I if- mean, this is, this is what I talked about last week of uh, so much of this episode is going to be action, 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 pew, 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 let it roll. So, um, I, I do want to jump backwards just for a second because I want to put this out there and then let's, let's jump forward to that part where you can talk about all that, Jeff. I want to go back to the conversation about lease. Okay. One, I, I saw her name in the credits, so I knew she was going to be coming up at some point in the episode. Yeah. I thought maybe she might become like a thing. And I think this really was a, she had 45 seconds on screen and she's done for the rest of the series. Garibaldi was wrapped up in an old love for about 45 minutes in the last episode. And now he's released and can get after Talia winters again or whatever he's going to do. Like it's not changing anything for him, but I liked the fact she was married and I liked the fact that she was pregnant and that it shut down everything having to do with Garibaldi and Garibaldi handled it great. So well, you know, he's like, Hey, listen, I'm really happy for you. That's awesome. My heart just broken a thousand pieces all over again, but you know, yeah. I'm really happy for you. And I, I felt the same way about Meg Ryan's character in Castaway. Really? When, when Tom Hanks came back from the Island and all he wanted to do is get back to his wife, right? Get back to his girl. And she remarried and had a family. And what she did was she stayed with her family. She didn't go back to him. And he had to start anew. And like, like I would have hated it if she would have left her family to go with in either one of these two situations. Cause that's, that's the, that's the Hollywood thing that you see sometimes. Totally. Right. Yeah. But no, stay with your family. Like you're here now. Your life has moved on. No, I think, uh, have you watched the umbrella Academy? I keep trying, like I've, I'm probably like four or five episodes in. It just hasn't grabbed me, but I keep okay. trying yeah, I'm in the third season that just came out. We're okay. we're almost we've almost finished it. I really enjoy it, but there's yeah. a, a a part there's a lot of this timey wimey stuff that happens through the second and the third season, and there's a thing where there's a relationship, and one person is like, you know, but we can do this and we can get back together. We can. They're like, yeah, I. It's been ten years for me. It's been three days for you, but it's been ten years for me. Like I've been with all these people. I've done all this stuff. Like you're barely even a blip in my mind anymore. And, right. and that's the truth. You know, I think about 10 years before now. Yeah. Like they're deep friendships and work relationships and whatever I had back then. I don't even think about those people anyway. I don't mean that in like in a negative way. It's just, that's how our, our stuff goes. So yeah, it is the right thing. You stick with your life that you have 
now. And I, I, uh, yeah, my heart broke for him. That was hard. And, and Jerry, o, Jerry Doyle again, just so good mm-hmm. doing that whole piece. But that was, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she, I don't want to say she becomes an ongoing piece, but that this, uh, is more of a weight for him that we revisit a couple of times. I could see her coming back in flashbacks or something, because here's my theory mm. that I just thought up of just on the moment right now, that picture in his quarters from Mars to Jupiter was a picture they took together and they were on Mars sitting on a bench or whatever. And he wanted to capture a moment. And to this day, he has that on his wall. So I think we're going to revisit this relationship a couple more times in the future, but I think it will be like flashbacks and things like that. If it be like, if this becomes a part of his character and how he grows and moves forward, much like the alcoholism thing, yep. I'm a hundred percent for it. If it just becomes a plot device that doesn't really matter to who he is as a person or a character doesn't help him grow or change or do something, then I would absolutely hate it if we went back to that. Yeah. Because I, I want to just let it be. But if it if it has an effect on him, I'm with you. I'm 100% with you. I So it's become a personal mission for me to prove your theory that Sinclair is a Minbari. And oh, I I love it. I have two I have two proofs this uh Do this it. time. Proof number 1. How Okay, so uh, Delenn and crew and Londo go down to the surface, and they're like, why aren't they shooting at them? Uh-huh. How come they're—well, because they've got Varn in there and the people right. that uh, that he appeared to, that you know Varn showed up to. Well, why didn't they shoot at Sinclair and Ivanova? How come they were able to get in? Because Varn appeared to Sinclair, and he did so and was allowed in because he's Minbari. And he knew that. And he's like, yeah, come on in because you might be a likely match for this thing, which Delenn backs up at the very end of the episode that yes, Sinclair would be the guy in there. Otherwise proof number two is that if he was faced with the choice of, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can send Drawl and plug him into the machine or I can go into the machine. Well, as a Minbari, I believe in service above all. So in this episode, I'm giving you two more proofs. To Sinclair being a Minbari. I'm for it. Yeah. I'm for it because I, I he totally is. He's he's uh, at least half Minbari. I mean, this guy's, uh, he's Captain Cisco, right? He's half profit. Exactly. That's three. That's my three. There you go. Yeah, that's my three. That's okay. Because we are now arrived at that point. Jeff, you said that, that you've plumbed the depths of the storyline with Drawl and Varn and all those guys. I just said it was pew, 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 action, action, action. It was fun to watch. What'd you pull out of this episode, Ben? This was, this is actually, this episode is actually an episode in Star Trek. It's called uh, Lift Us, Where Suffering Cannot Reach, from the first season of Strange New Worlds, where in this one, well, it's a very different approach. So same kind of idea that we need to plug a person into a machine to keep, to keep things going, but it's the approach and the difference that matters. In the Star Trek episode, it's about exploiting other people. The society chooses to sacrifice others to maintain their quality of life. In this episode, the self sacrifices themselves, and there are meaningful reasons behind why they choose to sacrifice themselves. So we see the self-sacrifice a couple places in this episode. We see Drawl sacrificing Mm -hmm. to put himself in the heart of the machine. We see it in Delenn when she chooses to not fight back and just wish him well and to say goodbye we also see it with Garibaldi when Lee drops the bomb on him and he's like, okay, I'm happy for you. 
and I'm going to go now. <laughs> I'm going to go cry. <laughs> so the that that concept of society is going to choose to to sacrifice something as opposed to I'm going to sacrifice myself. And then add to that the end that comes together what we learn from Superdrawl that there's knowledge and technology greater and beyond us that's greater than our society and then entrusting a group to safeguard that knowledge until it's ready, until it's needed. And then the whole, but then the counter that is the whole, you know, the, the drunk guy just blindly parroting his echo chamber mm-hmm. and those pieces. Like we talk about holding up a mirror to society. Well, in Star Trek, we hold up a mirror and then kind of show, Hey, if you redirect this way, things will be better. This just held up a mirror and said, this is you. <laughs> Here you are. That, that was, it was great. They brought that piece up but they didn't go anywhere with it. But with the whole piece that Drawl talks about on sacrifice and the third, you know, rule of sentient life or whatever, I thought it was just so very Star Trek. And so, and it was the theme through the whole thing. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. hundred percent. So with it being the third rule, I'm going to give it three deltas. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I wrote it down. I I don't think it could be any more concisely said than I think the way it was Delenn put it. The third principle of sentient life is self-sacrifice for a loved one for a cause or for a friend. And that is one of the most Star Trek type messages that you could ever find that I don't know that you would actually find in Star Trek. Right? Yeah. Because Star Trek doesn't do self-sacrifice a lot. They just don't. They do uh they do non-greed. They do don't be selfish. Mm-hmm. But they don't do self-sacrifice. But when they do, it's in Star Trek 2: The Wrath of Khan. When Spock, like, huge, so well done. The needs of many outweigh the needs of the few, and in this case, the one. Yeah. This was the note I had in this point. This isn't Star Trek. This is Babylon 5. This is what Babylon 5 is teaching, which is different from what Star Trek teaches. This is where the separation occurs. Mm-hmm. That Babylon 5 is not Star Trek. Star Trek's not Babylon 5. And people have been saying for the last 18 episodes, 19 episodes to us, Jeff, that it's really unfair to compare two shows to try to compare Babylon five to Star Trek. Cause they're not the same show. you know what? They're absolutely right. hundred percent. We absolutely can take that lens that we have applied where we overanalyze it and, and not even overanalyze it, but where you analyze it for those messages and apply it here. And that's the point of this podcast. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, to me, this is where the line is drawn is in these kinds of statements that I just don't think we really hear this way over in star trek but if they're not one or the if they're not twins let's just say they're cousins like they're in the same family they live right next to each other and so for that reason i'm gonna give this one three deltas as well it's not star trek but it is but it's not right it's close well you you said it's it's babylon five yeah and i think you know i've been thinking about this because we talked about this a little bit last week on just this is like we came into this, you know, and, and we've shared the story with some people as well, that when we first started recording this podcast, that we, we did some testers that we sent out mm-hmm. to some some close friends and trusted people. And their response was, is this a Star Trek podcast that incorporates Babylon 5 or is it just a Star Trek podcast? Because that was all we were talking about. Mm-hmm. That turned into the game, you know, the rule of three that we play. Well, it turned into the title, not a Star Trek podcast. Right, yeah. But I think, like, we've gotten there where... Yeah, this is Babylon 5. This is Babylon 5 and exists on its own separate. We're going to continue to look for those Star Trek-like messages. 
not the Star Trek messages, the Star Trek like messages. And I think we're still going to give it deltas unless we want to change it from deltas to com links. I don't, I don't know what they have in Babylon five yet. Like, I have some what, ideas. What I have some ideas. Let's, let's, let's think about this. So we only have a handful of episodes till we have completed season one and we've already talked wow. about doing a season one recap episode. And yeah. so let's kind of figure out what that looks like moving into season two. Well, Brent, that's it for a voice in the wilderness part two. Next week, we're going to be watching Babylon Squared for the first time. We've never seen these episodes. We haven't looked up any pictures. We don't know any synopsises or anything. We know synopses. Synopses? Synopsises? Synopsize. Synopsi? Well, this was a Babylon Squared. That's what we know. <laughs> That's all we know. Brent, what do you think, based on the title alone, Babylon Squared will be about? Well, coming coming off my absolute home run. Yeah. Of today's episode, I'm going to deliver back-to-back home runs. Okay. And I'm going to give you a detailed plot synopsis of this next episode. Wow. Okay. There are two Babylon 5s. They're existing in the same place at the same time. Just a little out of phase, but same place, same time. But turns out they're actually sharing a single power source. And that power source is starting to act up because it's just too much. One Babylon 5 is trying to put a stop to the power source from acting up. But in doing so, they're unknowingly damaging the other Babylon 5, which is just getting all jacked up and even a couple of people die in that process. Eventually, the two figure out what's going on. They make contact and the two Sinclairs, like being a little at odds, but they decide to work together and they realize that one of the two Babylon 5s is just going to have to go. They can't both keep keep them or they're, you know, they're both going to get destroyed. So they, they make a plan to send the people from the one over to the other. Although now you're going to have double people, but that's okay. They'll figure that out. And uh, just as they get ready to do that, the Vorlons come in and begin to attack the good Babylon five. That's not destroyed. And like that whole situation is just about to go really, really bad. So in a last ditch attempt, the people who died on the damaged Babylon five, they take those people who are still alive, send them through the rift so they can live on on the other Babylon five. Well, this one just gets destroyed and away we go. That's what Babylon squared is going to be about. I cannot wait to see if Sinclair handles that the same way Janeway did in the exact same episode of Voyager. <laughs> but Chuck, but Chuckle Nugget, you're probably not wrong. Is the <laughs> That was good. Um, yeah, I, I, I had a whole different take <laughs> that, that started out similar at first. I'm like, Oh my God, here we go again. Same thing. Nope. I think we're going to have a copy of Babylon five show up nearby again, a little out of phase, a little different, but no one on board. And when they go over to check it out, they're going to find clues, hints, pieces of the story about what happened to the previous Babylon stations. So we're going to move that plot piece forward a little bit in this one. I really, I hope that's actually what they do. I, maybe not necessarily in the way you described, but to move into that storyline of what happened to the previous Babylon stations, because my best theory right now is it actually still has something to do with the planet. I could be wrong, but that's my best theory. It's the only thing that makes sense at this point, mm-hmm. because we know that dude from way back that became the grail hunter wasn't his fault, you know, so right. Jinxo right. wasn't him. We're going to find out next week right here when we watch Babylon squared. Thank you all so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. If you haven't already, please subscribe to wherever you're listening or watching us on. And if you haven't already, 
go ahead and click the, uh, the, the rating piece. Give us some stars, write us a review. If you write us a review, we will read it here on the podcast. I can't wait to do that. So chuckle nugget until next time. Hey Jeff. Hey Jeff. Yeah. So I know over these last like 18, 19 episodes or so, I've really been giving you a hard time on how you choose to close out the show a little bit. You know what, man, do it however you want to. If I've overstepped my authority, I completely regret it. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it because you you have kind of given me a hard time on every mother loving one of them. But I will say on that piece, live long in Zabagami. It's my first time. Leadership, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starfleet Leadership Academy. It's ongoing mission to develop leaders through Star Trek. To boldly go where no podcast has gone before. A leadership development podcast told through the lens of Star Trek. The Starfleet Leadership Academy. Available everywhere you listen to podcasts.